Well, we're going to do a show now. We're finally live. Uh, huge technical issues on my end. I really can't wait to get moved into the new studio and buy a little bit more equipment so I don't have to tear this damn thing down every week. Uh, how are you doing, Derek? Great, John. Internet problems last night. Uh, video stream tonight. Like I say, we're an audio podcast, so I don't care. That's true. We're 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 gonna get the release tomorrow morning. So uh, I got to figure out where all my windows went uh, for all the news that we were talking about. Did you have uh, anything going on? Do I have anything going on? Yeah, is that what you're asking? Hmm, nothing, nothing terribly interesting. I'm just glad uh, you know. For once, it's not my technical issues holding the show. So. I remember back in the days when we first started and it was always my internet couldn't handle the show. and I'd disappear and reappear and yeah, just you, randomly converse. It was great. Do you realize that, um, uh, what I want to say, this we've, is... We've been doing this for like five years? That. No, no, this is the one year anniversary since we took this streaming. Oh, really? Yep. One well, year ago today. Because happy we, anniversary. <laughs> um, hopefully our listeners all will send us a cake and we can celebrate. Presents are accepted. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I've got my computer set up. I'm sorry, everybody. Hey, it looks like people are, are finding us. Yeah, it was really weird. I got a notification from something called Traffic Jam 3 or something like that, that our show had started. I don't know what that mm-hmm. is. Well, traffic—that's what we—that's that, what the show's called, Traffic Jams Three. Oh, duh! That's the title of the show. I thought it was some. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> hey, I don't even know what the title of the show is tonight. Well, the yeah, one-year anniversary is streaming, and the seventeenth was the fifth anniversary of the show. And we and, still have no clue you, what we're doing. And do you know? Do you know that I actually tried. To get online tonight with the original original setup, the old HP, the old Audio Technic mic, and still couldn't. So now I'm using two computers, a board, listening to myself talk twice. But that's not what everybody's here for. Is hear me whine about technology? Let's yeah, talk about cars. That's a type of technology. Oh yes, it is, and there's sure a lot of uh, uh, technology. And why the, what are these articles switched? To, literally, I'm reading it and it switched to French. Hmm. Evidently, they think you can uh, read French, sir. Wee uh, wee. Oui, oui. <laughs> so, what do you think of plastic suspension um, springs? Plastic suspension springs. Well, Polymer springs reinforced with fiberglass. I mean, we've had fiberglass suspension in the past. We've had fiberglass leaf springs. So mm-hmm. how far off is it to have a spring? I guess right? that's true. Right? This is uh, something that uh, Mercedes is playing with on a couple of their uh I can't remember what the name of the prototype is. Uh, the Vision EQXX concept. It's a interesting little thing here. I mean, we've also had bungee cord suspension. And now mostly on aircraft, but 
you know, just we've used polymer types of, of things before as suspensions. So innovation is innovation, right? I believe so. So this falls into the category of nothing, uh, nothing new isn't old. Yes, exactly. Nothing new is new. It's all old. It's all old. Uh, let's see Except for I, I will say, you know, the idea of running a vehicle on hydrogen, uh, that as far as I know is a fairly new idea. I, uh, I it, don't know of any older antique cars that attempted to run on I'll go ahead and just throw in blimps. They didn't necessarily use it to run, but the old dirigibles. Well, they used it lighter than air, but that's that's because it is lighter than air. It's not they're trying to power something. They were trying to get it off the ground. Yeah, but it's still the use of hydrogen. We just figured out how to use it in transportation a little better. Well, and I guess they did figure out how to make it combust. So, yeah, it didn't end well, but. I read an article, and I don't have it linked, that there is a company trying to uh, reintroduce airship travel. Oh, there's been a few over the years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously using helium, um, that. But I actually, I was reading somewhere that maybe that company you're talking about, they were, one of them was experimenting again with hydrogen, but they were putting it into chambers, um, rather than just the giant bag itself, um, there was there was some company looking into actually using like chambers of it that were you know because of course if it's a a, a, a dirigible which is a rigid it has an actual structure uh, you know it's it's not a balloon that needs to inflate and and deflate to do you know what it needs to do um, but rather they just use the actual lighter than air pressure to make it float or sink earth and i was reading somewhere and i think it was about a year or so ago that somebody was playing around with like fireproof chambers within the the dirigible to actually change the you know be able to use hydrogen do you think the faa would permit that or (laughs) i don't know I, i doubt it but i mean if they can prove that it's they done something to make it safe i i don't know i can't see that much hydrogen in one thing being ever being approved ever again. i'm looking at a picture of these springs and it's not coil it's kind of a zig zigzag thing you know take a piece of paper fold it, it in half then take half and fold it back you know so, so it's an accord it's an accordion yeah that's yeah. a good word hmm. it's an interesting concept so what are the I wonder what the hinge points would be. Are they just the fiberglass reinforced polymer, or do they have something else where it's going to this? No, it looks like it's the whole thing. It's all hmm. a solid cutter color with a mounting th- plate on the bottom and top. Interesting. That That's will be interesting kind of, to see. Kind of what I thought. Let me see if I can do something. Okay. And just so you know, yes, I was up for our, our audio podcast listeners. I was doing it again. I was making a motion with my hands and not describing what I was doing. <sighs> ah, a wonderful evening here at No Driving Gloves. So while you're doing that, John, can I rant about something? Because you're kind of looking for articles or images or whatever. But And I know we've talked about this on the show many times. Oh, very interesting. So it's not actually a hinge. It's actually a rounded 
areas. Yeah, this is one laying on side. They had another in- image with it vertically. Think of, so for our audio listeners, think of um, ribbon candy. Think of what ribbon candy looks like. And that is what this spring, new spring technology is. See, it goes up and down. Interesting. Hmm. So anyway, my rant, we really need to fix driver's training in this country. I'm just going to say it again. People um, amaze me every day when I, I mean, the, the whole old leave, you know, a good two, roughly two car lengths between you and the car in front of you, especially in heavy traffic when things, you know, somebody could slam on the brakes at any moment. You do that anymore and somebody just cuts into the spaces that are you're leaving open for safety and it's just i mean even if it's one space even if it's one space that a truck will barely fit into they squeeze into it it just drives me crazy i'm sorry it happened to me like two times this week driving to work and it's just a joke i've really (sighs) thought about adding a segment to show being regular and it's exactly that what one driving incident pissed you off this week, and what one pissed me out? It'll be like be like going back to Family Guy. <laughs> you know, it really grinds my gears. That's exactly. You watch yeah. that episode. So Colin has a restoration question about metal cleaning, if allowed. I really don't know why Colin is asking us questions, but go ahead, Colin. Type your question in, and you know you could actually pre-send your question to the show. So that we could have it already ready to go. Great no, question, Well, I'm not John. drunk. My problem is, is I'm listening to Derek on a completely separate computer. And it's really screwed with me talking. It's actually kind of funny because there actually there's some do it. If, if you if you can get it, there's actually a pro, uh, app you can download on your phone to do exactly that. You can actually set the delay. And you can talk into your phone and it will actually, you know, you will hear it coming out of the earpiece and it will do it. You can set it to a two second delay, a three second delay, so on and so forth. And it will do exactly what John is doing. It will actually make you sound like you're drunk because your brain starts trying to listen to what's being said and you start losing the ability to process uh, the the thoughts to be able to talk properly. So it, it actually creates almost a, a mental situation that makes you like you're drunk and it's impairing your speech. It, I've noticed it's really affecting. Yes, and it I'm is. I'm getting the last it. word to a sentence quite often. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, John. It's quite fun. <laughs> Maybe we should do it one night where all of us have a delay. <clears throat> um, so Colin is asking about soda blasting, laser cleaning, or wet blasting. So we just purchased a large laser. Good. Hey, Colin, I need to borrow. Thanks. Just go ahead and pack it up and send it down here to Nashville. Um, I wish I could do yeah. an impressions. Win a million dollars. The laser. <laughs> um <clears throat> So, you know, Colin, I, I know your dad and I have talked about this. I thought you and I have talked about it. But so the the issue that, okay, and I'm going to preface this by, by saying, and Colin, you know this, John knows this, every conservator, every restorer, anybody that works on a car all has <clears throat> different opinions on techniques and processes to use. Um, Will, we really don't 
care what you have to say. <laughs> um, but most most people I know, and I guess okay, so it's going to depend on what what you're blasting and why you're blasting it. In my opinion, um, any type of media blasting. So if you're doing soda blasting or you know sand blasting, glass bead, anything like that. Soda tends to be the worst. If you're going to be painting that metal, um, the soda will actually embed its most media will actually, some of it will embed itself into the metal. And there's been a lot of issues on vehicles that have been blasted after they're painted and time over a little bit of time, that media actually starting to work its way back out of the metal and actually causing issues with the paint. So that's the one thing I like about the laser process that's coming out is that it's, yeah, so it is hard to clean off. Yeah, exactly. But it, not only is it hard to clean off, but it's actually, they actually will embed into the metal. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's the one thing I like about the laser because it's not leaving anything behind um, from a media stand. So, but you know, again, it's going to depend on the type of metal you're blasting, what you're doing to it, so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are, John. If you I'm can drunkenly good. super over, over yeah, your I'm words. really not. I'm really not. Uh, what I want to familiar with the laser blasting and that. Uh, I have interviewed a gentleman locally who owns Adam, Alabama Soda Blasting, and he has talked a lot about various types of blasting and he doesn't do any sort of sand blasting, but he has so many different medias to choose from, uh, you know, plastics and fiberglasses. And, uh, I can't remember them all walnut shells and peanut shells and corn cobs and things like that. Uh, then he does a vapor blasting, which encompasses everything in water and, um, I've never been a big fan of any sort of blasting. But then again, I'm not a big fan of chemical stripping. Everything, I think, harms. And if what you're saying about the laser proves true, might not be such a bad thing. It's just, it changes the surface of the metal. Yeah, so the laser is cool because, and look it up, John, because I think you'll appreciate it. <clears throat> um, and anybody listening, it's very interesting because you can actually set the depth of the laser to the surface. And so you can actually control the layers that you're removing. So you can actually kind of set the depth um, of the beam itself. It's, it's very interesting technology. I can't get deep into it because I haven't run one yet. And I'm, I'm, I'm this knowledgeable. I'm not bigly knowledgeable uh, about it. <clears throat> um, but it's, it's very interesting to watch the videos and the process as it unfolds. And I'm now going to need to take a trip to Pennsylvania to play around with a laser ears. Um, or, you know, those folks from Pennsylvania could swing on down to Nashville and we could have some fun. I'm just thinking you set that depth, you know, for three microns or four microns. And you know the way painters work. It's going to be really thick here, really thin there. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, you have to watch what you're doing as anything you do in conservation, right? I mean, you have to pay attention. And, We're talking uh, restoration, not conservation. Jeez. Well, but no, because I know Colin and and the what most of the experience I've seen these in used in is for conservation. Uh, but it is a stripping method, right? It's it's oh, no driving gloves after dark, ladies and gentlemen. Stripping methods. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm excited to hear more and learn more. Um, I only know a couple conservators personally that have used one. So it will be interesting to hear what the Howards have to say. Yeah. Walmart's got adapters, I think for that stuff where you can plug. He says he hasn't used it yet because it has European plugs. So (laughs) Uh, are really, really long extension cords. Yeah, you just just cut the end off the cord, strip the wires back, just stick them in the socket, and go that. Works kind of well. That's yeah, that's why you're don't. a parent, Derek. Don't ever take advice from us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so great question, Colin. Thank you. But like I said, send them ahead of time, and then we'll have things we can already be talking about. Well, I'm going to jump in this article. I'm going to say has a familiar word. VW's hypercar brand purchased the crown in selective laser melting with a high-strength titanium. They're basically reverse 3D printing the push rods on whatever the newest Bugatti is. So they, out of uh, titanium, 3.5 ounces can uh, withstand 3.5 tons of force. And they're starting with basically what a guy named Hammond used to tell me this. You'd ask him for something, and he'd give you a block of steel. And you'd go, what? He goes, what you need's in there. You just have to cut off everything that you don't need. And that's exactly what they're kind of doing, is melting the titanium off so that they end up with a valve. It's kind of a reverse 3D printing process. But that's we were talking lasers, we'll go lasers. Restoration nightmares and... A hundred years. Laser restoration conservation. What it, it's it's very interesting what technologies are coming out and what we are starting to be able to do. I mean, even you know, we talk about 3D printing, and I know we're getting kind of off ton. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, today at work, I mean, we were the guys in the shop were working on something. I went in to chat with them, and you know, one of the cars needed a new uh shaft for the fan. And it's, it's in a prototype car, all off all things. So it's not like you're going to run down to Napa and get something. And so measurements. It's pet Boys. Or Pep Boys, whatever. You know, it's e- um, everything but gas. All right. Well, unless they went to Mexican lunch and they got <laughs> the gas too. Uh, as John says, he's not drinks more beer. Nice. Uh, it's open I? and it's this <laughs> Kentucky bourbon barrel ale. I was thinking Ooh, of you tonight, Derek. Nice. Uh, but anyway, so needs this new, you know, fan shaft to run the cooling fan off the pulley, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, prototype uh, car, uh, what are we going to do? So measure, check, 3D print it so you're not machining it first out of something more expensive. And, you know, sure enough, it was slightly too long. So now the guys know they got to shave that measurement back a little bit to clear the fan blades. So it's it's just kind of cool where we're headed with things. And that's what I, I always liked about the CNC tops uh, stuff as opposed and the 3D printing is the ability to make a part. Um, the old boss used to hate it. You're only going to make one so we can make it here on the Bridgeport, you know, in the South Bend Lathe. But if you miss it by a few fraction of an inch, 
you got to start all over as opposed mm -hmm. to going into your computer code, changing one or two lines of code and everything else comes out exactly the way it was. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a big, big fan of overtaking things. Well, and there's, you know, there's times where you can overtech something for good, but uh, I'm going to be the stalwart here, I guess. But there's also times where you can overtech things for the worse. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of well-preserved original cars and modifying things because they didn't, you know, they didn't work as well as they could now. Uh, I am a big opponent of modernizing things, um, in, in, in a museum setting or, you know, in a setting where you have a well-preserved antique car or anything, I really, you know, any artifact or any historic object, uh, you know, I, one of the things I hate, one of the biggest things I hate is electric fuel pumps on cars, antique cars that had specifically that had vacuum pumps or just gravity fed fuel systems. Because for some reason, when you start talking, you're doing, I thought fuel pumps. Yeah, all you're doing is overpressurizing carburetor that's built to run at the specific gravity of gas and be gravity fed. Because even a vacuum tank in an early car is simply a method of getting the fuel from the gas tank that is now lower at the back of the car to a higher point on the firewall and then gravity feed it down to the carburetor. Uh, and people just don't get that. And then they, they're like, well, why doesn't my car run? It seems to run kind of rich and, uh, you know, I'm having carburetor issues. It's because you're pushing too much fuel into the carburetor and it can't handle it. You, and, and I have not found a single regulator anywhere that goes below. I think it, I think the lowest one I've ever found is one and a half pounds and the specific gravity of gasoline, real true gas, you know, not ethanol. You, you have to start playing around when you get ethanol blend and stuff like that, but it is below one. I, I used to know it. I think it's like 0.76 something, uh, pounds. And, uh, you know, so you think about that. If, if you've got something that's around feet, supposed to be fed at about 0.76 pounds, and you're trying to feed it 1.5 pounds of pressure or more, what do you think's going to happen? I see five. <laughs> I've seen that happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you sort of force something in it, too much pressure. It's going to find a way out through the point of least resistance, mm -hmm. which is probably going to aerate a warm engine block or exhaust manifold or... Who knows what? So, Jason, the problem is a lot of times when you try to overpressurize an early carburetor like that, one of the, you know, valves or, you know, something can't typically it's the float and feed valve uh, that can't handle it. And usually you wind up just a lot of times just spilling gas all over the place. And like John said, a <laughs> uh, wonderful fire starts up. Uh, because you're constantly just overfilling the, the fuel bowl. Pause as we change topics. Oh, I don't know. I was just thinking you thought you might have something to say about it, John. Nope. I kind of said it when it push it in okay. too hard comes out the weakest part. That's definitely another no driving gloves after dark conversation. So since, and we don't have Will here tonight, and it looks like he's probably well, dropped from commenting. 
we did have Will in the comments. Evident can comment, but he can't be on. And I don't know which way to go because I got two stories to irritate him. Lotus's new division, our Lotus new division, they have their production cars that are going to be fully. Everything introduced after 2023 will be electric. The Amira is the last gas-powered car. Now they've introduced a new bespoke division where they're going to take classic Lotus cars and they're going to take drawings of Lotus cars that were never produced and build them for clientele. You'll go in and you'll pick out, oh, I want this car that they never built and, you know, Chapman designed in 73. And it's a neat concept. I don't know how the hell it's going to be affordable. Uh, And then I read the first one is actually going to be like a 78 Esprit S1, and they're going to electrify it. Wow. You know, let's build something that's exciting. I don't know what's on the drawing room floors. Uh, Maybe they could go back and build the Lotus 5. There you go. Which kind of exists. I can't remember what it's called, but it was abandoned halfway through the build and Somebody bought it and finished it. Uh, Claremont Special. Uh, but that was a Lotus design that was never completed. And they still haven't found the the actual Mark one, have they? No. I didn't think so. Yeah, I they, personally believe the Mark one became the Mark two. Really? Even though they sold the Mark one? No. The Mark one just disappeared. See, I thought I read that they had, a re- had found a receipt somewhere that he had sold it. For and they had a, a certain amount, like four hundred some pounds or something like that, to somebody that lived in the north of England. I, I oh, that be would wrong. be in a ridiculous amount of point, huh, money for that point in time. I don't but, remember. Yes. I I'd have to go look at the book again. I just look at Chat, Chapman's being so broke and nickel and diming everything that the Mark One could easily have become the Mark Two. They were both Austin Seven based. Um, I'm trying to, we didn't have, we didn't have a Mark two, but we had a Mark three and a Mark four and, or did we, and, and saying we, you mean the barber? Yeah. I'm going, no, we did have a Mark one, a Mark two. We ended up with a three and a four. And they were all replicas. Is that correct? Uh, No, the one was a real car The no, excuse me. The one was a replica. I was going to say the one can't be a real, the two was a replica. The three is original and the four, which they only built one of, is an original. We were actually, our buyer was actually on a trip to talk to the guy who built the one and the two about building us a four. And they stopped somewhere to look at another car. And when they arrived, the guy had the Mark four parked out front and he he was hinting that he'd sell it. So... (laughs) We stumbled across the Mark IV for very close to what the estimate was to have it replicated. There you go. And then we had Clive at the museum in 17, I think it was. You know, there's... there's, And that's the first time he ever drove the Mark IV. Oh, very nice. But there's something else. You know, we keep talking about getting some interviews lined up. And John, I know you and I got to probably sit down and have one of our podcast meetings off air. Uh, but there's another person we need to get on the cast. We need to get Clive on. Talk about what he's doing with Classic Team Lotus. I've talked to uh, Richard Paramount about coming on the show. He's a real 
Lotus guy. He's worked for Lotus from the 60s. He's a public speaker now and all this kind of stuff, but he knows a ton of. And who I would like him to manipulate is get to get Bob Dance on the show. Ah, Bob would be great. Not only have on the show, but just see again and talk with. So I'd love to I'd love to connect with Clive and, and Bob again. But, uh, all right, we're adding that to the happen- list. A lot of movement happening in the Lotus in the classic classic world. Mm-hmm. Classic. T- oh, William Taylor was just hired by Classic Team Lotus. He's a fairly famous author in uh, the Lotus world. Wrote he wrote the Lotus book and things like that. But he's also got excellent books on Senna, Bugatti, uh, McLaren, um, a lot of the F one cars and things like that. Uh, owns a Cottery Press out of. Colorado, but looks like he's moving back to his homeland and he's taking some sort of director position, a classic team. So a bit of news there and reminiscing. I don't know who Derek knows in that scheme because he's worked directly with Clive and that on some restorations. And obviously I passed uh, Clive a couple of times in my life, but uh, where was I going from that? After we leave Lotus, did we anybody catch the uh, Tesla news from about a week ago? Oh, 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 I did not. Um, there were two parts of this. Article. Sorry, I thought I'd try to get you excited. No, I, I haven't heard anything about Tesla. Well, early in J- June, they um, cut 10% of their work, 10% of their workforce. On the same day, they told all salary employees, you must report to the office for a minimum of 40 hours a week. If you don't want to do it, quit. A minimum 40 hours a week. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, I'd be like, I'll be here for a exact 40 hours a week. And that's what you're getting. Yeah, I, I give you 40 hours in a minute. Now you're dealing with Musk and, you, you know, he's the guy that sleeps in his office. And, you know, I almost said something I probably shouldn't get sued for. Yeah, and then be careful. We want no driving gloves to keep going. On the 23rd, they came out with an article. Uh, Musk sat down with CNN and was discussing Tesla in light of the uh, uh, downsizing, the uh, mandated work. And Musk talked about the inefficiencies of his new factories in Texas and Europe, uh, the supply chain issues. And he basically said that he's doing all he can, but he is foreshadowing that Tesla will declare bankruptcy within the next two years. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I said interesting too, because people think of bankruptcy as a bad word and a well, bad right. it's just, thing. It's not, I mean, it's just a way to restructure. And that's what I'm thinking. Everybody's going to be afraid of Tesla's bankruptcy. If Tesla declares bankruptcy, how much of their debt are they going to be able to write off? And then Mm -hmm. continue, you know, how much of this, the loans from the government, how much for the building loans and construction loans? Um, It sounds like something that wealthy people do. Um, Well, and how many of the lawsuits against them are unsettled still? Because bankruptcy can get you around lawsuits as well. Yes. See, there's a gentleman that used to be president that has declared bankruptcy multiple times and always got trashed for it in the media. It's a strategic thing to do every single time, especially at the corporate level. Um, At the uh, personal level, if you plan for it and that, you can benefit just as much. But corporations do it 
as a way of doing business and restructuring, like you said, restructuring debt or eliminating debt. So I don't know if this is a panic thing or Musk is just saying things to, so when it happens, it's a gentler blow, doesn't affect the stock as much. And he gets to write off a half a billion dollars or a billion dollars or something. Well, and, you know, you say it's, it's you know, people get trashed in the media. Companies get people, you know, get trashed in the media about it. And it's it's a restructuring thing. But I think it's the the trashing in the media is more about is it really the, the it's hard to say is it the right thing to do, but is it the ethical thing to do? Uh, you know, to declare bankruptcy because you have debt and you don't want to pay it back. Like, is that, you know, like, you, I'm sorry, but you're kind of screwing people over. Well, your business business ethics teacher is not going to teach you that. But your finance that, guy wait, wait, probably wait. will. If I, if I remember uh, linguistics class right, isn't business ethics an oxymoron? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so that, that was just another article that had popped up. And I just kind of wanted to get my two cents in early in this. Uh, you know, well, we're, we're, we're a car podcast. I'm going to leave it alone, Jason. Uh, Jason made a comment about student loans. Um, we're just going to right on by that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I have uh, my sayings about that. Yeah. Let's maybe let's if Jason buys me a lunch, I'll, I'll tell yeah. him. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, talk cars. I was going to say something in Jason's comment. Totally distracted me. What was the last thing you said, John? Now I'm trying to remember. It was Tesla and then crap. It was Tesla business ethics and Yeah, I totally had something and it just I saw Jason's comment and it just threw me off. Uh dang. All right. Well, anyway. I'll just throw something out there for Jason. I know a lot of people who did a lot of jail time uh for marijuana and now it's legal. They don't get their time back. Ah, <laughs> uh, I was thinking, you know, everybody just declares bankruptcy and debts can't do it on student loans. I know. <laughs> I wonder why. Oh, because it's personal business. Hmm. We're getting way too far off cars. Yeah, uh, I was going to give you a tip on declaring bankruptcy too. But, oh, what personally, I hope I never have to do it. Uh, collectingcars.com is having another Supercar Sunday on July 3rd. Uh, 40 ultra rare supercars are going across. This is Chris Harris's auction site trying to compete with uh, Bring a Trailer, uh, but they're running some interesting vehicles. You know, supercars, they say super rare, but I mean, it's a Ferrari uh, uh, four, what is it, 430 uh, 16M, which is kind of built a couple hundred, and Porsche GT3s and Lamborghini Huracans. I bring that yeah, up because I want to. Touch back to the texting Derek and I did on Saturday. Yes, we actually talk through text sometimes. Yes, I was. There was a um, government seizure bank repo type auction mixed in with a few personal cars that took place at the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum this last weekend um, with what I want Henderson auction. Yes. And I would commented to Derek that I thought there were some pretty good steals. Well, I guess what I meant is, and what Derek ended up, I think what we ended up agreeing is what we felt were fair market values and not. It definitely, adjusted. yeah, it definitely seemed like things were back to more normal pricing. Now, I saw a few that, that did sell for a little, little on the high side. I did have a friend, I believe, bought a really, really kick-ass car at it fits him perfectly 
Uh, you know, but they had some outboard motors and that, but a lot of things desirable in the twenty and thirty thousand dollar range that definitely at the big auctions have been trading hand for fifty or sixty, and the asking prices are always that or more. So I just wonder if we're beginning to finally see some of the corrections. Um, I know I've seen it in the cigar business and the retail sales there, and I've seen it in customer habits um, dealing with my computer jobs and talking talking to various people that um, some sanity is prevailing into uh, the wallets and the cars. So. I yeah, think- sorry, I'm I'm reviewing the I I never reviewed the all of the sale prices because um, when you sent me it, it was still all going on and I was kind of watching live. Um, so I'm just looking and and I agree. I think I you know I still feel the same that there's most of these are. Let me go back to it. There we go. Are pretty reasonable prices. You know, for, ooh wow, the 1920 Oakland Roadster was a no sale. That is impressive. I'm surprised. And 25 Willis Overland 91A, not a fantastic car. Uh, looks fully restored. Is that? Yeah, they were kind of they were kind of crappy built. Uh, was that Willis or Willie Overland? Willis Overland. No. What What does the action say? It well, does it say doesn't. W- it doesn't matter what it says. It matters how you pronounce it. It is spelled W I L L Y S through okay. the history of the whole company, but the family name is pronounced Willis. John North Willis. And I was going to say, just because it was in Birmingham, didn't mean there was, wasn't was money there or it was Birmingham. A lot of online bidders. Um, I know they had a couple cars go for a million plus. Uh, some cars in that half million dollar range. So money was in the room or at mm-hmm. least online. So it, yeah, it was it was there. I'll hear it this wasn't. It was be. just excuse me, but a, a bunch of Southern Hicks just, you know, Uncle Jesse and Boss Hog bid in on these things. <laughs> a 39 Delage uh, D670 with a Fagoni and Falashi uh, drophead coupe, uh, 530,000. That's that's respectable for that car. And I don't think that's overpriced. Uh, oh, actually, there was the Peugeot. Uh, I don't know how to properly say it, but Dharma, Dharma, D A R L apostrophe M A T. I've never figured out how to say that. I got to ask somebody that speaks French. Six hundred and ten thousand. Probably a few years ago, I, I bet you even today, if you would have sent that car to Bonhams, this auction it sold for six hundred and ten thousand. I'll bet you if you pushed it through Bonhams, and I wouldn't be surprised if this car doesn't come up at Bonhams in the next <laughs> in the next year or two. But I bet you they would push it to eight fifty to. Um, yeah, I think some of those cars were probably bought for resale. Yeah. Because keep in mind, this these were government repos or um, bank repos or government seizures, uh, DEA seizures, uh, IRS seizures, uh, things like that. So traditionally, the government auctions aren't that hyped in that. So you, you'll pick up a deal. But I thought it was fair across the board. And I know there was money in the room. Yeah, I you know, I'm I sorry, I'm still just reviewing it here. Uh yeah, I mean it it doesn't seem terrible. There's a couple that I would say, eh, I wouldn't have paid that for it, but uh, you know, they're the they're the big in things right now, right? Uh 86 Chevy square body K ten, thirty one thousand. To me, not worth thirty one thousand, but you know, to some people it is. 
I got a buddy who's got one for sale for 50 I think. Ooh, now here's some nice car haulers. Yeah, that would have been nice. All right. Yeah. So I say so I just wanted to touch on the barber thing and uh sane prices that happened there. Uh I didn't go. To be honest, I didn't learn about it until just a couple of days before, and it really surprised me. Uh, I missed Will's autocross due to a, a personal thing that came up on Saturday. I uh, understand it was pretty accessible. Uh, same guy won it overall, I think, that won it last month. They did have Sean up there with his racing simulator. I didn't hear how the lunch hour went with the power wheel racing. but And I haven't looked up the new dates, but I will bet if you go to nodrivinggloves.com backslash grip, uh, you will see uh, the new uh, motorsport.reg page, and I'm going to say it. It's kind of funny. The Alabama SCCA was supposed to have an event at Barber's on the same day uh, on the Proving Grounds, which has always been a really hot venue. They had to cancel because of lack of participation, and Wills was oversold. So, But with that... We're going to go ahead and close it out. So it's about 10 like normal. We're sorry for the late start. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Um, hopefully we get it a little bit smoother in the next couple of weeks for the video people. I go to my new studio, move into it uh, late July. And by August, we should be broadcasting from there. And at present, I have to tear this thing down to go to a remote client. By then, I hope to have equipment bought that I'm not tearing down. When I build my studio, that's where things stay. Permanent studio. So. And next week, we'll all be drunk. Yeah, I, I think I got better when I turned down the other computer. I'll have to listen back to this. And Derek, quit making up car games or car names. Car names. Yeah. Hey, at least I say Peugeot, right? You know, I mean, I didn't say Puget. Okay. Well, there are Americans that think it's pronounced Pu- it's Peugeot. I can't remember how I wanted to mispronounce it now. Yeah, Peugeot. Well, I'm going to push this little red button. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in that did. Sorry about the last night stuff. For the audio listeners, you're great. NoDrivingGloves.com to look any back episodes, audio or video. Um, you can check that out for our Amazon page. Uh, a lot of things we recommend, a lot of books by previous guests. And we'll keep updating that in uh, expectation of prime days in July. And I've got still some stuff to give away here. I got some keychains that are shipping out, some uh, stickers that were going out. But shoot me an email uh, on uh, no driving excuse me, no driving gloves at gmail.com. Shoot me an email, ask for a sticker. You can have a sticker. Um, I think I'm going to save some of the big prizes till the new studio, but we've got the Bluetooth headphones coming up. We got the leather honey. I'm working on a couple others. We might toss out some Amazon gift cards on the live show over the next couple of weeks uh, as we head into prime days. So we, there might be some free money to listen to the show. So with that, I'm out of here. See ya. I got to find this button. There we go. And we're going to 